Let us pray. Living God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, the first reading this morning is from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 20, and may be found on page 1072 of your pew Bible. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glory, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Where the thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of the Lord. Our gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 through 43, if you would like to follow along. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. The people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And may God bless the reading and hearing of the Holy Word. So Happy New Year. Giggles, every service. Did you not know that this is the last day of the year? Well, I'm sure some of you did. For those of you who didn't, we are now at the end of the church year. 
Advent marks the beginning of a new church year, a new cycle of scripture readings in the lectionary, that three-year cycle that takes us through the lion's share of the Bible. We begin a new year of following the church seasons, beginning quite appropriately with preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus. So today, Reign of Christ Sunday, also known as Christ the King Sunday, is the last day of the year, a day in which we recognize with particular emphasis that Christ is sovereign over all things and that our only real hope is in and through Christ. But if you grew up, and I know some here did, in a tradition that didn't follow the church calendar, didn't use the lectionary, didn't recognize church seasons such as Advent or Lent, you might look at me a bit strangely, or dare I say even laugh, when I say Happy New Year, because you know that that holiday on our calendars is still over a month away. We're speaking the same language, but that doesn't mean we necessarily understand or agree with one another. Last night, my husband Tony and our youngest son Michael and I went to see the new movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Now, I recommend it to you. Um, It's not really a young kid's movie, but it's a very good movie. And you know that there could not possibly be a movie about the Reverend Fred Rogers, a.k.a. Mr. Rogers, a Presbyterian minister and deeply beloved man, and not hear about it from this pulpit, right? Anyway, as I'm sure that many of you have seen and read over the last couple of weeks, there have been all kinds of articles and interviews about both Mr. Rogers and the man who plays him in the movie, Tom Hanks. Unsurprisingly, the descriptions of both Mr. Rogers and Mr. Hanks include such phrases as, he's such a nice man, or he's such an everyman. But in two of the articles that I was reading this week, one by the journalist whose relationship with Fred Rogers is the inspiration for the movie, and another primarily about Hanks by a journalist for the New York Times, the authors object to those words and and to saying that Mr. Rogers and Mr. Hanks were nice man or every man. Tom Genode says of Rogers, remembering him as a nice man is easier than thinking of him as a demanding one. And he states that Rogers was a rather peculiar man, and it is not just his goodness, but rather the peculiarity of his goodness that has made him 16 years after his death triumphant as a symbol of human possibility. And Taffy Brodesser-Ackner says about Hanks, I'm not sure where we got the idea of an everyman, but Tom Hanks isn't really it. Instead, she says, he is the platonic ideal of a man, a projection of what we wish we were. In the same way, our understanding of who Jesus was and what the reign of Christ Sunday might mean could mean something different than what the world means when they refer to someone as a sovereign or a king and to the world as the kingdom. Even 2,000 years ago in the time of our gospel reading, on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, the use of the word king meant different things depending on who in the story was using it. Some of Jesus' own disciples 
and followers had expected him to be a military messiah who would rally the Jewish people for an armed insurrection and overthrow of the Roman occupiers. And there are plenty of Christians still today who believe that the sovereignty of Christ means that sooner or later, those of us who are in, those of us who are Christ followers, will win over those who do not worship Christ, and the world will be ours while all others are condemned to eternal suffering. Yet, as our gospel reading today reminds us, Jesus does not become a military messiah or one who lords it over others. Instead, he is put to death by crucifixion. And in the traditional practice of crucifixion, when used as a form of capital punishment, it was common for the accusations against the criminal to be posted on a board hung above the criminal's head. That would be how we know that the men hanging closest to Jesus were thieves. And the accusation against Jesus was, this is the king of the Jews. A sarcastic accusation, if ever there was one. For as Jesus tells Pilate in the Gospel of John, his kingdom isn't a kingdom of this world. Instead, the kingdom Jesus talked about is one that would turn the traditional understanding of kingdom on its head. When Jesus would talk about God's kingdom, he spoke of a place where a foolish son wanders off and wastes his fortune but is still welcomed home with a party. Jesus says the kingdom is like a shepherd who goes out to find one sheep when it is lost, or like a rich man who gives a feast and goes out and invites the poor and the blind and the lame to come and enjoy. The kingdom is like a seed that grows to a huge bush that shelters any birds who need its care, and like yeast that eventually impacts all the flower. The kingdom of God is one in which Jesus' followers are the ones who feed the hungry, tend the sick, welcome the outcast, have mercy on the sinner. The kingdom is one that invites even a man condemned to death to celebrate with Jesus in paradise. Jesus' kingdom is not a kingdom that most people would recognize as a kingdom. He's not interested in power and control, in empire building, in numbers or profits, or in having all the best the world has to offer. Jesus was not one to use guilt trips or manipulation, not one to destroy all those who do not follow, not one who takes away the last vestiges of hope for those for whom hope is the only thing left. Jesus is a king who demonstrates who he is through relationship, even in those last moments on the cross, speaking to a thief who was being executed for his crimes. In that article by Tom Genode, he writes about Mr. Rogers' emphasis on relationship and how Rogers followed God by demonstrating that relationship He describes a woman who worked with Rogers on a pamphlet talking to doctors about how to talk to children. He says she worked hard on it, 
using all her education and experience in the field of child development, but when she handed him her opening, he crossed out what she'd written and replaced it with just six words. You were a child once, too. And that's it, really, Janode says. His message to doctors was his message to politicians, CEOs, celebrities, educators, writers, students, everyone. It was also the basis of his strange superpowers. He wanted us to remember what it was like to be a child so that he could talk to us. He wanted to talk to us so that we could remember what it was like to be a child. And he could talk to anyone, believing that if you remembered what it was like to be a child, you would remember that you were a child of God. Janode speaks of a political figure who was recently confronted by some angry protesters and writes, Indeed, what makes measuring Fred's legacy so difficult is that Fred's legacy is so clear. What he would have thought of her politics is one thing. What he would have thought of her is quite another, because he prayed for the strength to think the same way about everyone. She is special. There has never been anyone exactly like her, and there never will be anyone exactly like her ever again. God loves her exactly as she is. Part of the story that we celebrate during Advent is the idea that God shows up in the world, lives the life of a human, and despite being able to call on all the power and glory available to God, instead teaches a kingdom of love and relationship, a kingship of servanthood, a monarchy that puts peace and justice and love as its highest goals. The reign of Jesus makes the first last and the last first. This king kneels down and washes feet. This king acted as a servant to others, not as a boss or one who has power over This king showed that the strongest power in the world is that of love that placed himself on a path of suffering and death for the sake of all of God's children. So as we begin this new year, I challenge you to get a jump on the rush and make a new church year resolution now. Put the power of Christ to work in your life. Every day. Look in the mirror and be reminded that you are a beloved child of God. Write it on your mirror if you need to, to remind you. And every day, as you go out the door, remember that everyone you see is a child of God, too, beloved by God, and act accordingly. The Reverend Fred Rogers once said there are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. The third way is to be kind. Yet what Mr. Rogers understood and demonstrated throughout his life is that following Christ isn't about some superficial act of being nice, and being truly nice or kind isn't as simple as it sounds. 
to be in relationship with others the way Jesus showed us and calls us to be is a daily practice that requires effort and intentionality. It requires time and focus and prayer and constant self-reminders that we are children of God and so too is everyone we meet. Tom Genode reports that Fred Rogers told him that he prayed for him every day and reminded him that you are loved with a greater love than anyone could ever imagine. I trust that you'll never, ever forget that. So may we all be reminded today of the love of Christ, and may we never, ever forget. Amen.